Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello and welcome to the Look Sport Media League One podcast. Uh, this is my first rodeo on the League One podcast. My name is Matt. Uh, sadly, I'm a Notts County fan for my sins. And today I'm joined with uh, Sam and Chris. Hello. Hello. Glad to be on. So it's we're looking at the Tuesday fixtures. Um, there's a few, a few, a few talking points, a few highlights. Uh, some sort of fixtures where you kind of think uh, you kind of expected that. Um, like an Oxford Bolton nil nil, for example, I think a lot of people could have could have said that would have been a close affair. Um, but I think we've kind of got to start with the managerial sacking from today, which is Cambridge United have sacked their manager. What do we think? Um, I think it's been coming for a, a, a little while. Um, they obviously stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season. Um, he did a wonderful job the year before. Um, I think he's been there around five years, which nowadays is ridiculous to think a manager has been at a club more than two days nowadays. Um, he's had time to b- build something. He's massively, they've obviously invested in sort of infrastructure around Cambridge as well. Um, they had a, a storming start at top of the league. Um, they've sort of then had a, a Preston moment, I call it, where they don't seem to learn know how to play football again. Um, they then had a little run again of results um but again it's that inconsistency and they've now lost three in a row and the final now in the coffin was a 3-0 defeat to Lincoln yeah and like Sam said uh, Sam said about last season them staying up he was he was one of my picks to be gone before the end of last season so it has been coming for a long time I think yeah. the weird thing is that he signed a very long-term contract I think it was about a month and a half ago so it that there's I would hope for Cambridge's sake they put some sort of clause in that contract that allowed them to break it for a set fee. Otherwise, they have been, they've shafted themselves in a way because that payoff is going to be absolutely massive otherwise. Yeah, no, that took me by surprise earlier on. We're kind of looking into it a little bit and it came up that, yeah, he did. He signed, they didn't say how long the contract was in the like official statement, hmm. but they did say he'd signed a new long term contract, which showed like, that they had trust in him as a as a manager as a coach, which you'd kind of assume you'd give him till at least Christmas if that's the sort yeah, of trust yeah. you're going to put in someone. I think the uh, only 
thing they may have thought of is obviously we're coming up to near enough the halfway point of the season, the busiest point of the season, and there's probably for Cambridge Cambridge's season a very important January transfer window coming up. So by getting a new man in potentially in the next couple of weeks, it's got time to evaluate the squad. Um, obviously, only scoring 14 goals is um, a rather big concern for them. Um, I think it's the third lowest in the league behind Shrewsbury and uh, Cheltenham. So, and, and joint with Port Vale. So it's a rather big concern for them. Yeah, yeah I, I saw a little shake of the head there when <laughs> Cheltenham was mentioned. <laughs> I mean, I, I said I said about managers and the January transfer window on Monday with the Mazzinho appointment last season with how he impressed me with coming into a side late in the transfer window and not having, I think we looked into it and he had about 11 days left of a transfer window when he was appointed. And in, in my opinion, a manager needs at least a, a week to look at the options he has in his squad to then decide where he needs to improve, improve that squad. So I think it it's an important decision because of the fact that provided they can get someone in quickly, they're not going to want to do it too quickly because they could panic and get someone in who could stick them in more trouble than they're already in. But if that manager's got about two, three weeks to assess the squad before the January transfer window, that, that could be vital to how their January transfer window does go. Hmm. It's, it's a weird one, Cambridge, because they've kept the third most clean sheets in League One this season with eight, but they've created the 21st most big chances. They've missed the second uh, least big chances because of the big chances they've created. They've got 21st in goals per match. So the stats are a bit all over the place, really. Well, it, it's a similar situation with Cheltenham. Obviously, going to the opposite end of a pitch, though, we, we finished, I think we finished 16th last year, and we kept 16 clean sheets, which is a massive number for a team in the bottom half. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's so completely. It's a, and I think if we speak about the January transfer window, I think it's a, almost like a two-sided coin because you've got the option to bring in a new manager and then he's got up until January to kind of like the Chris, you've said a couple of weeks, he's got a couple of weeks to assess his squad, realise where he thinks he needs um, like extra reinforcements or extra quality and then has January to go and do that. However... You could also say that, you know, the manager who's just been sacked, um, <clears throat> Mark Bonner, also could have had that, like, leading into January. And I think it's just a case of whether you stick with what you know and who's done well for you before or it's time for a change of tune. But I think I think it's probably the right decision with the fact that they nearly went down last season as well and haven't seemed to grow on that. Uh, but it does, it does feel a bit hard done by, I think. Yeah, and like like you said about uh, Bonner would have had the chance in January to do that, and I do agree with you to some extent. You know, he's been there so long. Like Sam said, he no one knows that squad better than the manager. He's assembled that squad himself, obviously. But I think going into this run and being such a topsy turvy run as well for them, it's sort of like, is it going to happen again? are we going to be staring relegation in the face like last season? Yeah, and they need to make changes for that. Something still on the... Um, oh, sorry. So still on the Mark Bonner sort of conversation. Uh, a Cambridge United like fan page or something tweeted earlier on. And I just like of what they want in the next manager. And every single one um, links to Mark Bonner. 
It's a League One experience. Uh, it's kept a, a team up against the odds. Uh, a League Two promotion. And an excellent man manager. All of those linked, linked to Bonner. And then desirable is young and eager to learn. Mark Bonner is a young manager. Able to see invest in the wider project. Connection to the club. And a decent person. And in it just, it's everything thereafter, they've just, well, to this one page, everything this one page is after in terms of a Cambridge United manager, they've, they've just got rid of. Yeah. yeah, unless they're going to get someone like Josh Coulson back, who is somewhere at King's Ling, I think, then they're not going to get anyone better than Mark Bonner. No, um, not if that's your sort of criteria for a manager. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a very short, short list. It's got to be, isn't it? Um, so Lincoln City, um, new manager, came from Leeds under 23s or something. Yep. Um, doing quite well. Three, what is it? Two wins, a draw, and a loss. Yep. Yeah. And that loss was uh, like two days after he was appointed away at Stevenage, which is oh, well, no shame in that with yeah, the form Stevenage are currently in. No, I know Stevenage are fourth. Where does that come from? Steve, Steve Evans, Steve that, Evans. That, that, that. Yeah. Again, I, I think you, you've also got to link that to, without taking too much credit away from them, you also have to link that to what we've said countless times this season about League One being such a weak league. And it's not taking credit away from Stevenage. Uh, it's actually, I'd say, giving Stevenage credit because they've identified it's a weak league mm-hmm. and they've just gone flying out the blocks at it. And it's caught everyone off guard. It seems we've caught most of the teams in the league off guard. Yeah, I think everyone's obsessed with playing this pretty style of football nowadays. Like you look at teams, like I'll use us as an example. We've got a possession-based style. You use clubs like Derby, who are probably used to an attacking sort of possession style. Oxford, Portsmouth, Bolton. And Stephen just gone, nope, we're not doing that. We're sticking to our principles of direct and effective football. And I think teams at this level nowadays get bullied by that. They pick up a lot of second balls. And to be fair to Stephen, they do actually play some nice stuff in the final third. But they're very direct. They get the ball forward quickly. And it's really effective against teams, especially who do the high press in this sort of league. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of notable up and down the leagues as well. Like, in, I'm going to link it to League Two. Just to, like, um, my team, Knots, we play very possession-based football, very attacking football, very high-press football. And the teams we struggle most against, like, we lost 5-1 to Sutton who are currently sat at the bottom of the league. And that's because they were incredibly quick, incredibly direct. They got the ball forward very quickly and we didn't know how to handle it. And I think what Stevenage are doing kind of, I know Stevenage aren't rock bottom of the league, so obviously they're doing it better. Um, But like you've said, you've named a lot of them teams like your Oxfords and your Boltons and whatnot, who play this possession-based attacking football. It does, it takes them, it takes them off guard. And I'm not sure they know how to fully handle Stevenage when, they're so used to playing against that type of football now as well. Yeah, and Steve Evans always has his teams defensively solid. Like they've still got Pierre Gianni, who on paper, and you look at him, he's not a League One type of footballer, but he's he's been brilliant. And I really don't like him, but he's been absolutely brilliant so far this season. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, I mean, you talk about the styles of football that get played. I, I can't relate to you guys, to be honest. Uh, I can't tell you <laughs> the amount of times I've gone to Warden Road and just watched us kick off and just immediately hoof a ball up the pitch out for a throw-in in their defensive third. <laughs> it's, it, it, even, even under Michael Duff, we did it. It 
sort of transpired under Elliot as well. And it was just countless, a waste of possession immediately from kickoff every every week, it, it seemed like. It's so surprising how many teams still adopt that style. It's very, very, very rare that it actually works. Wigan did against us at the weekend. They passed it between four defenders, lo- then launched it forward and got a penalty within 30 seconds. So we- For me, it's it's the fact that it's being it's been going out for a throw-in and it's almost like you're just telling your opposition, yeah, we're just going to sit back here, just do what you want in our in our third, basically. We'll do what we can to handle it. And if we catch you out in, their, in your own third, then so be it. But it, it was almost the tactic of play for a draw every week and it it's probably what's led us to where we are now. Is that how you found the game on the, last night against Charlton? Um, I actually missed the game last night against Charlton. Uh, I was at a concert, but um, two penalties, uh, both Alfie May as well, and the second penalty is really dubious. Um, I have to say, though, Alfie was absolutely class, didn't celebrate, and at the end of the game, he was. Um, we spoke about celebrating against your former team on Monday, and he didn't celebrate, and at the end of the game, uh, he went over to, I think we had only about 200 away fans yesterday and he went over and clapped them all. That's good though. It shows a bit of class, didn't it? Because didn't he yeah. play for you for two or three years or so? Uh, it was three seasons. He joined us in January, the year lockdown, when we won League Two. Right, okay. Um, I mean, he's actually, when the FA Cup first round, when they played on the Sunday, he was actually in the stands against Wimbledon. Um, oh right, okay. So he does still feel that connection to the club, and he has a massive appreciation for the club as well. No, and that's always nice to see. I feel like loyalties can be quite easily lost in football, but it's always nice to see them there. Um, a big talking point from yesterday is obviously the uh, Barnsley goal. Uh, I'm assuming you've both seen it. I have, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I've been waiting for this day for years. A goalkeeper hold waiting for an attacker to come near them to pick up the ball. And to be I don't really know what Cosgrove done. From what I can see, he's just stood there. And you know when they do like the feint, they're gonna go for it. And the keeper's just cracked himself, rolled on the floor, and then lost the ball. And I, I it was hilarious. And I feel sorry for Wickham fans who have done that really long journey to Yorkshire on a cold Tuesday night and then lost a game in the ninety first minute because of it. Oh, no, yeah. 100%. Um, there's not really any. It does look like a shove, but I... No, it's... It's poor from a keeper, and it's... It's it's what we've seen from goalkeepers so long. I know we've spoke about the rules on, you know, how absurd the rules can be surrounding goalkeepers and taking the ball near, um, from them. But for me, it's been exploited for a long time by keepers 100%. yeah they, i yeah. think there's a lot of people who said that goalkeepers are incredibly overprotected um yeah. for me probably... like and attacking a corner you're gonna obviously jump into the goalkeeper of your arms but that's what you use for leverage and yeah as long as you're not clattering the goalkeeper when they've caught the ball you're well entitled in my opinion to go for the ball if the ball's just in front of the goalkeeper and he hasn't caught it but you touch a goalkeeper nowadays and it, it's a free kick, unfortunately. Yeah, we, yeah. we saw it at the weekend in the Premier League as well. But I think 
with VAR, I don't know what get, happens there if it was VAR involved with that one. It'd probably be chalked off because most likely disallowed through VAR. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah. It's good that the referee kind of stuck to his guns a little bit and and, yeah. and he took away the overprotection of goalkeepers. Like it wasn't a, a cynical foul. It wasn't a foul at all. There was, I think, there was definitely contact, but not enough to send someone to the floor like he did. And then I think the goalkeepers obviously tried to make a meal of it. And then by doing so, the ball slipped out of his hands, which I think it's just a bit of karma, to be honest. It It, it is comical. It, it's one of those that you see in the 90th minute of a Football Manager Cup final game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the computer screen's out the window. <laughs> Funny enough, I did actually see one of the Football Manager Twitter pages uh, say that as well. <laughs> yeah, it is comical, and it's a really good you know, for Lincoln City. It's uh, uh, for, sorry, Barnsley. It was quite an important victory because obviously Derby winning last night, they'd have been five points off off the playoffs, and all these teams are on sort of the same amount of games other than Stevenage. So for Barnsley to keep pace with the playoffs in what is going to be, I think, quite a tight packaged playoffs is quite important. Yeah, it is. It is a very tight looking. Um top end of the league though to be fair to say there's what three points between first and fourth that on its own is is quite and tight you look at you look at it in the sense of about a month ago we were writing it off as oxford and portsmouth dead on certain for automatics mm. and oxford just slipped and it's strange with oxford because you can't even blame the manager leaving because it's this run started before he left yeah, yeah, true. yeah. I think for for Oxford, I think there was always going to be that period of, especially with when Manning went. Obviously, they you you still build up to the game. So they played us the first game Manning left, and you still got his ideas. You've probably set up for the game uh, and all that. So the performance against us was probably what a Manning team near enough would have done, other than the in-game management. They obviously then had Cheltenham which was Buckingham's first proper game after he had about two weeks with them and they lost. That um, was an unbelievable game. You'd have thought we, you'd have thought Oxford were back at the opposite end of the table watching that game. Um, and I said on Monday about Ruben Roderick, both of the cards in that game were uh, silly red cards to get, but um, Rodriguez just had an absolute nightmare against us. He missed an open goal as well. Oh, shame he couldn't do that against us a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think yeah, it's a... <laughs> with with the summer transfer window they've had, it's is anything but playoff to failure for them. Um, I think with the start they've had, definitely. Um, I think their fans would be very disappointed with not top six. Um, other than other than last year, they've always sort of been in around that sort of top ten region of League One. Um, they've still got players like Cameron Brannigan, who I think may be on the move in January and Liam Manning might come knocking. Um, it, it, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a difficult one for Oxford. Um, it's because do you do you invest and bank on getting top six or do you try and keep the, the squad you've got together and, and go from there? It is, it's a difficult one for Oxford, um, who had actually quite a good chance in that game with Mills to take the lead and there's a really Baxter made a couple of really good saves for uh, Bolton in that game. Um, Oxford probably had the better of the chances, which 
on yeah they had which is weird because they actually had less xg but from the highlights i watched i thought oxford actually had the better chances from bolton but sometimes stats can be deceiving i know i know we said about um we said about manning going in for players as well but how many of those players signed in the summer have to feel hard done by with manning leaving so soon i think rodriguez may uh yeah yeah because there was a lot of talk about Luke Williams actually from from Notts County going to to Oxford. Um, I bet so you're what? very glad that he didn't go. <laughs> I'm incredibly glad. Um, that was a very nervous time in my life. Um, no, I couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, there was a, it was a lot of talk. It then came out that he actually hadn't been approached by Oxford. It was which just quite surprising. Yeah, just rumours circulating. Which, to be fair, I was quite surprised at. We because obviously Notts and Oxford play a very very similar style of football. I think that's kind of one of the main reasons Ruben left us in the summer was because mm. it was the style of football he enjoyed playing with us just at a higher level, which I completely understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right with the players who've come in over the summer feeling a bit hard done by. They've come under this like under Manning's philosophy and want to play the way Liam Manning plays, and have have made moves from different clubs and all that jazz. And then he leaves before Christmas. It's like. Oh, did I make the right decision in coming to Oxford? Um, yeah, and I mean, especially players like Rodriguez, who probably had opportunities from higher stature clubs. Hmm. I mean, Rodriguez could have probably gone to the championship. And I didn't see any championship links, but it it's not a it doesn't rule out that there were championship clubs watching. Hmm. And if he moved, if he followed Manning again, I wouldn't be surprised. No, that, yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. It probably cost, especially in January, it probably cost them near enough a seven-figure fee. I would imagine in January, if it was the summer, it might be a little bit different. I I think with the fact it's a championship club coming in for him, it would uh, who would come in for him, it would be uh, that would be exploited to get that fee anyway. With it being the championship, I think because he obviously only signed in the summer as well. Uh, I'm not. Was it a two-year or a three-year? Did he sign? I can't remember off the top. I'm of not sure. Anyway, I think it was well, two with an option for a, an extra. Oh right, okay. So, so he signed a contract, and he's not even a you know a year through his contract. I think that sort of demands a substantial fee from. Well, if he were to leave, which I I don't think he will. I think he'll keep going to Oxford through January, unless like a big championship team comes knocking. I I can't see him being moved away. Um, but would you say I, I think for Oxford the draw against Bolton's a good result? Like you've said that they probably could have won it, had the better chances. But I think, yeah. I think even though it, I know it's at home, but you're playing top of the league, who have been doing really, really well. I think you've got to be kind of happy with a draw. Yeah, coming off the back of Bolton scoring seven against Exeter as well, it's yes. to keep a clean sheet. I think Oxford would be. Pretty, pretty happy with that. And it's the first point for Des Buckingham, first clean sheet. I think it, it's a start to the new regime. It yeah, and definitely... I think Sam said at the start, we probably all saw it as a as a nil-nil this game. But after that result of the weekend, I didn't. Um, the result on the weekend, and the, uh, Bolton's result on the weekend, and Oxford's form coming into it as well. I'd have gone 3-0 Bolton for this, just with the form Oxford have been showing. Yeah, um, I'm trying to have a look. I think the 
one big result I I saw across this uh, was yesterday was the big six pointer down at the bottom end of the table, where Reading put five past Carlisle, which was yeah, that, it's quite a yeah, shock. That I got a little, I did some little bit of research. Is that do you know the last time Reading scored five in a league game? Oh, can we guess? And whoever's closest yeah. wins. Yeah, go on then. Uh, I'm gonna say two thousand two. Nope. Uh, 2006. 2015. So it wasn't as long ago ah. as I thought. They beat Ipswich Town 5-1 in the championship. Oh, I thought it was going to be some like massive... Yeah, I it was from like the 70s <laughs> or something. That they'd just broken a record for the first fi- in 50 years. But Yeah, they had a couple of fours and then the last five they scored was 2015 in October. Like the one I the one I found about Bolton the other day, seven nil, where the last time they scored seven was uh Wyndon Town in ninety seven. Cool. See, that was the sort of stat I was hoping for, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any of them, unfortunately. <laughs> um but yeah, five goals. Um it looked like on I know obviously stats don't tell the full story. But it looked like it was quite an even game. Like Reading had a bit more possession. They had one more shot. Same on target. It just it it seemed like quite an even game stats wise. Um, so for it to be five is incredibly impressive, and that for Reading makes it three wins on the trot in all competitions. And Reading have won one in the last six in all competitions. Which I think shows yeah. why they're kind of near the bottom end of the table. Even with the points deduction, I think they'd still be in the relegation zone or around they, the relegation zone. I'm not uh, sure. But would, I know they've sent they'd us... They'd still be 21st. They've yeah, sent us uh, bottom of the league now. Yes. Yeah, only a point behind them. Yeah, I think for, for Reading, it, I, I think it's a case of the last two results against Wickham and, and last night's thumping at I think some of their younger players are starting to find their feet as well. It obviously takes a little bit of time for these younger players to actually find their feet, especially at League One. Um, obviously, they've got the experience of people like Lewis Wing, Andy Yadom, uh, David Button, but they've, they've got a, a lot, a lot, a lot of young players in there. They seem to finally be finding their feet slowly, um, and hopefully they get taken over in the next sort of month. Um, obviously, we had the rumours of the rich energy geezers coming in. That would have been even worse than the geezer they've currently got. Then there was rumours of Mike Ashley. And then there was a rumour of someone taking over who was just as bad as the owner they've got now. But I, for the life of me, can't remember who it was. And it's really annoying me now. I'm not sure. I know there was an exclusivity deal signed on Monday uh, right, okay. with an, Ameri- uh, an American hedge fund. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, not American, sorry, it was European. Um, but I haven't seen anything on it since Monday. I think I haven't actually had a chance to read it yet. It broke about five, ten minutes before the podcast started on Monday. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think the only bad thing to come out of that 5-1 victory for Reading last night was the striker Don Ballard's out for the rest of the season. And he's got five goals so far this season for them. Is he out for the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah, serious knee injury. He's out for the rest of the season, which is a shame because I, I thought the, the game clips I've watched with him is quite a promising talent from the Southampton Academy. Another one from the Southampton Academy. 
And Femi Aziz has been massive for them, though, as well. We spoke on Monday about his impact. And I think over the weekend, he equaled his goal contributions uh, in total in the EFL in one season. So he's had four assists, I believe. I have five now. Got one last night. Uh, He got one last night. So he's beaten it now. But uh, at the weekend was the first time he got two assists in a game. Do we think Reading are, are they are they able to bring in players in January Reading with the ownership struggles at the moment? Uh, free agents and loans, I believe. Do we? Well, I'm assuming with the the injury to their striker, that means they're going to need to sort of look into the market in January. Um, I would, yeah, I'd expect so. I won't make any. Um, I w- I'll make this incredibly clear that you two knew League One a lot better than I do. Is there anybody you think from League One who could possibly make the move or from the Championship or someone on loan? It, they'd probably be looking at someone on loan from either a Premiership Academy yeah, or a Championship sort of, he's not playing, he needs minutes, off he goes. Um, I can't mm. see any League One club loaning their striker to Reading. Um and there's not many free agents around. Lyle Taylor was around for a, a quite a period of time, but he's obviously now at Wickham. Um, a winger, Josh Martin, was available. He's gone to uh, Portsmouth. Um, there's not many off the top of my head I can pull a name out of the hat of who would suit Reading, because it's another thing you don't particularly want to... No offence to Reading at the moment, but you probably don't want to go there if you're a footballer, because you don't know, especially if they're going to pay your wages, which... A lot of clubs now want their loan clubs to do. They want you to pay the wages because, um, and I'll, I'll use us as an example because I know this, um, we tried to get Divan Mabamba on loan from West Ham on deadline day in the summer and West Ham wanted £30,000 a week. So that's obviously no chance of that happening. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously going to be, and January, as we know, is a very competitive market. Um, so it's going to be a struggle for Reading to attract any sort of League One quality players, they're going to have to try and, I think, take a punt on maybe a younger player to come in. It's, uh, I mean, you said about Premier League academies. Uh, Arsenal have a player who's always on loan in League One and no matter who loans him, he never seems to get uh, much game time. And He's at Derby at the moment, but I think if looking at an Arsenal perspective, Tyrese John-Jules, he's played three games for Derby this season since coming in on loan. Uh, he actually scored against Port Vale last night, I believe. But um, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, uh, he did, yes. Yeah. He did off the bench. And that was 14 minutes of game time. So I think from an Arsenal perspective, you've loaned a player out to get them minutes and they're getting free games at this point of the season. You'd be unhappy and looking at recalling him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so no, just on, on the on the Reading thing, um, in addition to the current embargo, the club is already sub- subject to a fee restriction for the next three transfer windows after it accumulated 30 days or more of late payments in the current 12-month period. Uh, that's between 1st of July 2023 and 30th of June 24. The current default period as of the 31st of October 2023 was 79 days. Uh, the proceeding against the club's current owner uh, continue following the failure to deposit an amount equal to 125% of the club's forecast monthly wage bill into a designated account and the hearing is expected by the end of November. Well, 
Thank you very much for that, Sam. Thank you very much, producer Hannah, for putting that in the chat. Um, <laughs> we've just about hit the halfway point of this podcast, so I think now is probably a good time to stop for a break. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. So back onto the fixes then. Um, Wigan Athletic did quite well yesterday. They won 3 0 against a struggling Fleetwood side. Uh, what did we make of that game? I think Wigan are quite an impressive team considering they've had an eight point deduction they would be i think eighth without their points deduction um they could be one of them teams i don't know off the top of my head if we can have an embargo because they've now got a new owner who's got a very very uh if you look on the the government website quite a loaded man um they've got players like callum lang stephen humphreys omar reckick charlie hughes sean claire just to name a few of them they've got taylor asgard to come back as well who have won promotion from this league as division uh, as champions um so i wouldn't be surprised if they could and will invest in january and make a late charge for the playoffs to be honest oh okay you are you thinking we're going for playoffs chris I'd, I... I'd probably put them just to miss out it'd be massive if they could make the playoffs i, I don't think any has any team ever had a point deduction on one promotion I'm not sure on that one, but if they don't, if they didn't get out this season, they they'd get out next season for definite for me playing like this. Yeah. Um, and I've been quite I've praised Wigan quite highly since the start of the season, um, but again, I I don't think there's a better team. I don't think any fans in the EFL would be happier than Wigan fans right now after all they've gone through. Yeah, yeah, they've, uh, they're currently unbeaten in seven as well. They score freely, 30 goals in 19 games. Um, they've got players coming back from injury as well. And like I've said, they've got a very, very strong 18 to 20-man squad already. Um, they've got a good manager in Sean Maloney who likes to play an attack, attacking style of football. Um, I think the big player to come back, especially in the last few weeks, is Sean Clare for, for Wigan. Um, he's He's quick. He's, he's good attackingly, he's good defensively, and he offers a real balance sort of down their right-hand side as well. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's definitely positive that Wigan have such a, 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 a large quantity of players, like the 18-20 to man squad of, of good players, since they are under the embargo. Um, 
sorry, the rules do allow for staffing up so that every club has at least 23 players of professional standing, which means they can sign loan players and non-contract players once the transfer window opens. So like we've spoken about with Reading, they can they can sign players on loan or who are free agents at the time. Um, is there anywhere you two think Wigan need to definitely get um, their extra reinforcements in for this late playoff push, which you think could possibly happen? Um, I'd probably say out wide. Um, I don't think they've got the depth or the quality out wide. I think central striker, attacking midfield, I think they're fine. Um, defensively, I think they're fine. They've got a good goalkeeper. I think they've got Sam Tickle on loan from Brighton. Um, so I, I think a winger. Winger? Chris? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with Sam because I, I just can't fault them right now. No, I mean, seven unbeaten is quite an impressive little record they've got going on. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, if they didn't have that point seduction at the start of the season, they'd be in eighth place. So, what's that, three points outside the playoffs currently? Uh, let me check um, obviously, so if, buts and maybes. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely doable. I think it's definitely possible that Wigan could make such a late playoff surge. Yeah, they're currently 11 points off the playoffs. And we've seen teams come back. Like oh, I think Coventry did it last year. They were 16, 17 points off around this stage last season. And they put some really impressive form together. And it, it can be done. It, it can be done. You just need to be consistent because there'll be uh, teams that have a wobble. They'll have injuries. They'll have suspensions. And their squads aren't big enough um, to cope with the schedule, to cope with injuries, suspensions and teams like Wigan who have got the squads start to rise to the table with being just being consistent mainly. Yeah, and uh, with Wigan, um, I get Hannah's really coming in with a lot of fa facts and statistics at the moment. It's brilliant. Um, that when Derby visit, they an adult Derby fan is going to have to pay £30 to watch the game. Uh, despite Derby only charging £20 for the opening game of the season at their place. Uh, Derby fans obviously are unhappy by this. They've been given an allocation of 3000 but they can request more. And even the Wigan fans are apologising to the Derby fans on social media because of the ticket prices. I think I, th I see a lot of clubs doing this at the moment. And if I'm honest, I'm really not a fan. I think it should be like a precedent set at the beginning of the season. Like, you know a game's going to be bigger because it's got a bigger club. And if that's what you want to charge for, say, a bigger club coming to your club, then said bigger club should then have the ability to charge the same amount the other way. What do you boys think on that statement? I I just think football should be, it should be an affordable sport. Not saying that tickets should be 50p, but £30 for a League One. We're talking third tier English football. I think the Premier League have an away cap and away ticket price cap of twenty pounds. Um, we're when Wigan are charging thirty pounds for a League One fixture, and our club, my my club, is not much better. We do category, we do games by category, and a category A game, which Derby, there's not many teams in it, but Portsmouth, Derby, Bolton, sort of them teams. I believe it's if you pay in advance, it's twenty seven pounds to what come to Brisbane Road and watch your team, which, uh, again, I think is completely excessive for League One. Yeah, um, 
I mean, that, that's a Boxing Day fixture as well. And Derby to Wigan on Boxing Day is no easy feat. And travel is going to be so much more expensive with being Boxing Day. And uh, the subject of Boxing Day is just reminding me last night, actually, uh, that I recently heard a debate. I'm not sure if it was on social media. I read it on social media or if it was a debate someone was having in the pub about Boxing Day fixtures. But uh, the argument was that with obviously how restricted travel can be on Boxing Day, that Boxing Day fixtures should be more local games. Yeah, they, they do that in the National League very well. So uh, i trying to think of two local clubs. Uh, like Braintree will play Chelmsford, for example, if they were both in the National League. And I think geographically that is, and for the fans to get the bigger attendances, I think that's so much better. Yeah, I mean, we had we had Plymouth on Boxing Day last year, and it was the highest attendance we'd had at Warden Road. I think it was mm-hmm. nearly six thousand. But some of the Plymouth fans were. Uh, I spoke to some Plymouth fans at the end of the game, and they were saying that they'd. Tr- I think it had took them over three hours to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know if they. Like we've got Charlton on Boxing Day and then Wickham on the 29th. So I don't know if it is a thing in League One and they, they've just run out of teams to geographically locate. Um, in, but in, I, I think... In terms of Cheltenham, we wouldn't have much geographically. The, the closest yeah. team we had last season was Forest Green, obviously. I, I'm not sure who the closest team to us would be now. Probably Port Vale or someone. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't um, got Google Maps. My my geography is really bad. Um, yeah, you've got Shrewsbury on the twenty sixth, and then Reading on the 29th. So I suppose that's not horrendous either. So maybe, maybe they do do it geographically in in, in this league, which is good. Yeah. Um, and just on the you... subject of ticket prices, I want to shout out Bolton for the twenty third of December. Um, they have charged us ten pounds for an adult ticket. Really, that's very good. Yeah. So I have snapped a couple of them up and um I think that's kudos to Bolton because they know they're not desperate they're not desperate to get for money, but they've done a really nice thing. Ten pounds for an adult, and I think it was like five pounds for an under eighteen. So No, yeah, that is fun. good. Bit of Christmas spirit push in there, I think. Yeah. Um uh talk to me about your team, Sam, Leighton Orient. Uh one one with Bristol Rovers. Oh, um, oh we are the most frustrating 16. team in the world. Oh, it's, we have we play such nice foot. We actually played quite well last night without being. I didn't think we were threatening, but we do play nice football. Um, I didn't think much of Bristol Rovers, and their goal came against the run of play. It was a set piece crossed in. We didn't clear it because um, the ball comes to the edge of the box, and the amount of goals we can see from the edge of the box is rather concerning. It's a really good finish from Grant Ward into the bottom corner. Um, we then had all of the ball the second half and it took until the 94th minute and a set piece. The first good delivery of the entire game. A header was saved. It's then, unfortunately for the substitute defender, hit his kneecap, hit the underside of the bar and gone in. And at the point the keeper made the save, I turned away thinking, oh, that's, the, that's that. And then I turned to the back onto the monitor and the ball's in the back of the net, and our commentator is screaming, the flag's up. And I'm like, oh, that's the end of that. And then he's gone, oh, no, it's a goal. And I'm like, brilliant. Well, settle for the point. Everyone's happy. And then, <laughs> straight from kickoff, our midfielders tried to head it back to our goalkeeper, 
under hit the header. They've gone through one on one. Our goalkeeper saved it. It's gone out for a corner. And from that corner, they've hit the bar. And then he's blown the whistle. And that was all in the space of a minute. And we scored in the last minute of injury time. And I have never been so, oh my God, in my in watching a game on a screen ever. And it's just it's just what Orient do. It's just what Orient do. Um, obviously, our big lack of goals is a rather concern. Um, but I think that's partly down to not creating high quality chances and the delivery being a bit off. Um, but Danajai is back. The, the, I pray that he can be our saviour. He looked really bright when he came on yesterday. And I just pray that he is the saviour. But we've had no yeah. win in seven, which is rather concerning as well. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. In the league, you haven't won a game in seven, which mm. isn't a great record. Um, do you possibly think that your manager could be like, not running near the end of his tenure, but do you think maybe the, the board at Orient are thinking, no, winning seven, that's not great. Something might need to change soon. A bit like Cambridge. No. No, no I, I, I don't. Um, our owners are smart. They, The stats say that we're obviously around where we should be. Um, we've got a mid... The aim for this season, our owners, from what I can tell, is stay up. Um, obviously, our manager is incredibly ambitious and wants the top six. Um, but we're probably looking in that between eighth and 16th bracket. And if we come 16th, fine. And what I like is especially what was what, what I'll take this point I think from Wellen said last year he would rather finish 20th playing the way he wants to play football than finish 16th for example and go away from his principles because we learn more by staying with our principles we've learned I think he's learned a lot because it's his first proper job at League One other than the spell he had at Doncaster um the, our squad is incredibly young it's an average age of like 23 24 so it's a really young team they're going to learn a lot this season our manager is still new to this level so he's learning a lot about himself and the way he can play um we do have a little bit of clearing out to do um but i think that's normal when you come up from sort of league two to league one and, and i know Stephen has done incredibly well but evans is um incredibly experienced at league one level and just just has a bit more know-how maybe um but I, i'm not concerned that his job is under threat okay. yeah and i i think he's got the uh, last season to fall back on as well in terms of his job security. I think an unbelievable season last season in League Two, and that is going to pile on so much security to his job. The things he did last season with Orient, yeah, and that there was talk about him getting a new contract as well. Um, we've also got an interview with him tomorrow, so look out for that on the Look Sports Media channel. Um, so yeah, I, I'm optimistic especially with players now coming back from injury um but obviously the re the results are a concern but i think performance levels have been okay and the results haven't done it justice personally yeah no i understand that so you your performances and have been good and you're happy with sort of the way yeah. you're playing it's the results which haven't followed yet yeah i think i think so okay lovely stuff um, Northampton on a bit of a run won the last three league games uh, beat quite a solid Blackpool team at Blackpool 2-1 yesterday um, what do we think boys? Yeah I think they've 
been in desperate need of some points in the last three games. They've sort of stepped their game up and shown what they're about. And I think I don't think they're in immediate danger in League One. I think there's teams worse off than them that are slipping down the table. Like, obviously, I'd say most weeks, Port Vale and Exeter, they don't do much to prove me wrong on their fronts. But I think also, I read recently that Northampton are getting an increased transfer budget in January, I believe. Um, And I think that was also said to be in in a top half teams region of League One as opposed to a relegation okay. team. But I'll have to double-check that. Um, That's, that'll be a big investment as well. But yeah, if that... I think the difference between like a club like Northampton, for example, and I'll, again, I'll, I'll roll it back to us and Carlisle, another promoted team, is they've got someone like Sam Hoskins, who's got 11 goals. Our top scorer last year, I believe, had 10. So Hoskins has already got more than our top scorer did last season. I think I think that is the difference between, especially for a team like Northampton, between staying up and going down. Is they've got a, a a player that can just pull pull the cat out of the bag and score a goal. Yeah, no, and I think that's a it's a very good point. He's doing well. Is that Sam Hoskins third third highest goal scorer in League One at the moment? Um, and yeah, you said that the um, so Northampton should be getting well. You, we believe Northampton are getting a, a, an increased transfer budget for for for, Jan- is it for January or for the summer, Chris. Uh, January. For January, uh, how do we think John Brady and his team are going to kind of use that to its to its advantage? Uh, where do they need to where do they need to look in your opinion, lads? I think it's defense. Yep, I agree. Defense. Um, I think I think a fullback, um, and possibly a a number nine. They've they've got Bowie and a, a, a P. I can't say his name. I'm going to call him Louis. Louis, who's only got three goals this season. So I, I think a number nine and a fullback, personally. Number nine and a fullback. Yeah, I I think defense. Uh, we all know the cliche of defense is the first form of attack, but we obviously know it's true with how many teams play counter-attacking football and it works and I think counter-attacking football is sort of perfect for a team sitting at that end of a table when teams like Bolton come to town yeah um so Stevenage and Peterborough drew yesterday uh they drew 2-2 when some teams around them well Oxford and Bolton obviously drew as well uh, probably a good opportunity for both of them to make some gain on the league, which obviously wasn't taken. Stephen is his first. Well, they they've won four of their last five, and then obviously drawn to Peterborough. Not a bad result for either team. Uh, do we think Stevenage are going to keep this up and keep going? Because they they are doing very well to say they've only just come up from League Two. I think they can because of their manager and they have got some quality players. I think if they invest in the right areas in January, and it's difficult to say what areas they need because they don't concede many and they are scoring for fun with Jamie Reed, who seems to be having the most prolific season of his career so far. Um, it, it's a difficult one. It all depends if they can keep hold of Steve Evans, but I think he's got the most secure job in the country. Um 
the difficulty I think Stevenage may have is the size of the budgets that they've got chasing them and around them. Um, they've got Peterborough who can invest. They've got Derby who will undoubtedly spend. And a Paul Warren team always comes good in the second half of the season. Barnsley have got a good squad, an experienced League One squad. Blackpool have obviously got a manager that's won promotion. Charlton have got a manager that's been at the, in and around the top end of the league as well. We, when we've discussed, potentially could come up through the ranks. Um, but they've gone, to be fair to Stephen, it's gone completely under the radar as well, in a way. Um, and teams probably still rock up to Stevenage thinking it's, oh, it's it's Stevenage. And they put in a performance, they put in a shift. And yeah, uh, there's no reason to say they can't get top six. Um, I think if you asked any of their fans at the start of the season, where would you like to finish? And they'd have probably said, we just want to stay up. Um, so yeah, it, it's a good little fairy tale for League One. There's always one team that stands out in terms of um, having a pushing above the odd season. I think, like, some, uh, I think it was you, Chris, identified League One's not the strongest this year, and they've proper gone for it, which is good to see, really. Yeah, and you said about the January transfer window. I'm in agreement with you there. It's going to going to be massive for most of the teams in the top six. Um. I don't know how much you could see Port. How much could you realistically see teams like Portsmouth and Oxford spending after the summer transfer windows they've had, though? Because I think Oxford bought in something like was it twenty-seven signings? Yeah, Oxford bought in a lot of players. Um, so I can't see them having a busy January because I can't see them being allowed to do that. Really, um, no, I can see Portsmouth getting a centre half to replace Regan Paul. Definitely. Um, one that's got a bit more progressive passing about him than uh, like Raggett's a solid defender, but his passing isn't as strong through the thirds. Um, I think it's been a story with Portsmouth over the past couple of years. They do really, really well, and they've still only lost one game in the first 18, but they seem to have a spell where they just fall away and they can never regain their sort of consistency. It's, it's, um, it's about that time of year for them to do it as well. Yeah. Um but- I think they'd be stupid, Portsmouth, not to give it a little bit of a go in January. I mean, we we spoke about we speak about signings being made in January, but it's also about exits as well. Yeah. Obviously, Peter Brother, big one is Johnson Clark Harris. Um, yes. Most of uh, He's quite a few. A fair well, he nearly went to. It's whether Bristol Rovers come back in in January, especially now Barton's gone. Because it's mm-hmm. is was that a sign in Barton wanted or was it a sign in the people above Barton wanted? I would say it would be a signing Barton would have wanted. I think it's a very Joey Barton esque, big, big, big burly striker who is powerful, can hold the ball up and have runners off him. Um, I don't it's... think I think I don't think any team in League One would say we don't want Johnson Clark Harris, proven goal scorer at this level. Um, no, I think you're right in that nobody would say no to him. But could, would, do you think Johnson Clark Harris would say no? Like he's currently doing really well at Peterborough, who is sat in fifth. You know, quite not secure in the playoffs because of how tight it is. But they're, they're doing well, and Bristol Rovers are sat in eleventh. Can you see? Can you see him? Maybe if they were to come in for him, do you think he'd want to make the move anyway? It's whether because he's transfer listed because he's in the last year of his contract, isn't he? Which yeah, is, and I think they wanted to bring down the average age of their squad as well, and he's yeah. over that quota, so to speak. 
that that is the usual stance Peterborough have with players in the last year of contract that they mm. uh, transfer list. There's a few others transfer listed from the first team. Um, Johnson, Platt, Harris being the major one, though. So, I mean, if he hasn't signed a contract at Peterborough by this point, then he's probably not going to be there next season. No. no. I think the other thing for Peterborough is keeping hold of Ronnie Edwards. You've got Premier League club sniffing around. Um, I'm, I'm Darren McCanton is a very smart, smart owner. And I would suspect if he was to go to a Premier League club, there would be a loan back fee for the rest of the season or something like that. Yes, I can um, I can very well imagine there would be. Um, I'm not seeing any other results that jump out at me personally at, at glance. Is there is there any that you two felt needed to be spoken about? Anything that needed to be brought up which hasn't already? I think the only thing I've got to bring up is about Port Vale. Um, I wrote down they are now have no league win in 11 games. Um, they struggle to score goals. I think that their only save and grace so far this season has been their immense cup run in the Carabao Cup, um, which possibly is keeping Andy Crosby in his job. Um, yes, it's difficult to see 14 goals in 18 games. Even Cheltenham, sorry, Chris, have nearly scored more goals than Port Vale now. and It's kind of concerning. Um, they did end Mansfield's run in all competitions run, but... There seems to be a very good cup team and a very poor league team. They obviously lost, was it seven, like I said, seven or something on the first game of the season and then went on a really good run and then have just forgot how to play football again and can't buy a win. No, I'm just yeah. looking now. Sorry, Chris, you go. And I think Sam said about Port Vale, I know it was a nil-nil, but Exeter as well. Still, yeah. just look a completely stale team. Um yeah. It's a difficult one because you say about Port Vale's run of games without without a win, but Exeter have scored four goals since they beat us in September. And that's including the goal they scored against us in September. Um, So it just, the only reason they're out of a relegation zone is how they started the season. And yep. Yeah, I remember going um, to because I went to Exeter um, when we played them, and they were they were top of the league. They had a couple of people on international duty, and we beat them. And then their run since then has been, yeah, quite embarrassing, to be honest. For me, the only reasons those two managers are still in a job, like you said about the ended Mansfield's run of it in the cup, um, the only reason those two managers are still in their jobs is probably because of the cup runs they've had this season. I think if they Went out of the car if they went out of the Carabao Cup in the first round, second round sort of thing, and took this kind of run on as well. They'd they'd have been gone about a month or so ago. Yeah, because they've got one, two, they've got two league games Port Vale before they play Middlesbrough in the EFL Cup. They've obviously got Stevenage in the FA Cup and Bolton in the EFL Trophy. So they possibly that game, one of their league game, their next league game is against Exeter away. It, that's a massive game, and it that'll probably be, but that'll be both managers fighting for their job, basically. Winner keeps yeah. his job, sort of game. Um, 
that game's kind of game's got nil nil written all over it, or it'll be like three all. Yeah. Um I mean Port Vale as well, they they worried everyone at the start of the season with the Barnsby fixture on opening day. And then they went on a good little run after that. They didn't lose for a while after that, and it just sort of all fell apart since then. Yeah, no, they haven't been on the best run of form recently. Um so we're kind of nearing the end of the podcast, and this is like we've said, my first go on the League One. League One pod, so thank you for having me. But I want some outlandish statements from you both. Chris, a Cheltenham going to stay up? No. <laughs> They're I not staying up. I can't give you an outlandish statement. We, we've we gone rock bottom. I know we're getting goals now, and but I just I can't see us staying up. Especially if... Gonna... Especially if Reading climb out. If Reading continue and climb out, um, I think Fleetwood is still in the relegation zone. I'm not sure. They are. They're, they're one of the worst teams for discipline in League One, so I think they're going down with us. And I I'm think... still going to back what I said. Was it two, three weeks ago? I'm going to back Cheltenham to stay up. Oh, okay. That's what I... the statement we wanted. I think it's Cheltenham, Fleetwood, Exeter and Port Vale to go down this year. It is still quite close at the bottom, though. Like even Cheltenham, you're, you're currently six points adrift, which obviously sound doesn't sound great at all. But that's two wins, two wins in games your way, and you obviously you're not out. But you, you're doing really well if that comes if that comes about. But if it does, yeah, I mean Daryl Clark has done fantastically turning this team around. It looked like just dead weight at the start of the season. I think another team that's dragged in is Burton. They've not won in five and they in the league and they haven't scored in any of them five either. So they can't score Ooh. at all. Christ above. Um, quite a few League One teams needing needing a few goal scorers. One thing I will say is we spoke about the athletic curse on Monday with ending unbeaten runs. It also worked the other way around that the second the athletic wrote about us struggling to score a goal, we scored. <laughs> So basically, if you want to end a run, just ask the Athletic to write an yeah. article about it. And then it happens. Lovely. Um, oh, I think that kind of rounds us off nicely, lads, don't you think? Yeah, that's everything, I think. Fantastic. Well, if you've been watching on YouTube, which I don't know how many people do, but please make sure to like and subscribe. And if you're listening to on Apple or on Spotify, give us all the ratings you possibly can do. Any feedback on social media is always very appreciated and we thank you very much for listening. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.